It was worse. It was uh, it just you can't pass. I mean, 30, 40 lap tires, and you could just stay up front. Cars that I was lapping, you know, restart on the front, and you just can't pass them. Like that's a that's an aerodynamic problem we got to figure out. Welcome on to the Backstretch. I'm News 5's Heather Williams and still feeling the disappointment of Martinsville race weekend. I love going to Martinsville. I love going to the short tracks. I love the fact that when you're watching a race, you can see everything happening no matter where you are on the track, feeling like it's basically right there in front of you. And I love the the uh, the excitement of the hot tempers and the bump and runs and the Denny versus Chase Elliott are going back to Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth. Like, I just love all of that about Martinsville. So to watch this race this past weekend and to watch the cars basically just playing follow the leader. Once a car was up front, it didn't matter how good it was, how fast it was. It was virtually impossible to pass. Watching all of that, you know, makes me a little bit sad. It makes me a little disappointed in what's happened to Martinsville. Listening to the drivers, the fixes seem easy, but maybe not as easy as, as simple as they make them sound. Obviously, the biggest thing that drivers are chirping about, and you heard Denny Hamlin talk about that there in the opening, is the shifting. I think that, first of all, I never understood shifting on a short track. It it just seems to overcomplicate something that didn't need to be overcomplicated. But also, what I found listening to the drivers this weekend is it also makes it really difficult to pass. And I find it interesting when we're trying to fix the passing that we put in something that makes it more difficult to pass. So I think the most, the next thing that NASCAR needs to try, because that seems to be what's really hurting the racing the most. And the thing that would be the most plausible or accessible way to fix something in the short term is that. So I know that that isn't as easy as I just made it sound. Obviously, they probably would have already done it, but um, to me, that seems to be the way to go. Also, an interesting week, we found out earlier in last week that Austin Dillon has been penalized uh, for an illegal underwing mounting slash assembly hardware. He was docked 60 points, five playoff points. Keith Roden was fined $75,000 and suspended for two races. RCR says they are going to appeal that penalty. Um, But that's a tough penalty, you know, if it holds up, if it ends up holding up where Austin stands in the point standings, he'll basically need to win a race. Not an unusual thing from for Austin and his team, but they do seem to find ways to win races, to win a single race and get into the playoffs. So I don't know that this is a huge barrier or uh, issue for RCR and specifically for Austin because he's the type of driver that seems to find a way to find his way into the playoffs more often than not. So I think, uh, you know, I don't know that Austin will necessarily be daunted by this uh, development this week. So coming up this week on the podcast, we're going to have Chris on, as always, to talk about the headlines of the week, and then also a fun conversation that I got to have with NASCAR Cup Series rookie Ty Gibbs, and then NFL rookie hopeful, draft hopeful, Jamar Gibbs. Uh, Really fun story about how they kind of ended up meeting the day that I interviewed them, didn't know each other, 
don't really have anything in common except for they're the same age and they have the same last name. So they just decided it might be fun to meet. And uh, so you'll get to hear uh, my conversation with them and, and, and JMR's thoughts on the draft and Ty's thoughts on this rookie season in NASCAR. So just thought that'd be interesting and fun, uh, something different for you guys this week on the podcast. So let's get it fired up. So first of all, let's talk about Martinsville. Uh, not the most entertaining track uh, race that we've had this season. Definitely not one of the you know all-time greats at Martinsville. So what do you think is the issue with the cars at Martinsville? What do you think NASCAR needs to be looking to change? I know it's probably not going to be an easy or a quick change, but what, what do you think they need to be doing? Well, I, I, Heather, we, we were talking about the comments from, from Denny Hamlin. Okay, that's been by far the most uh, prolific since last weekend he was pretty open pretty vocal about it and i have to go along with what he's saying because he's he's a really good short track racer martinsville's one of his been one of his best uh venues one of his best racetracks uh, throughout his career uh and you know he's he's saying things like all right we need we need some help on the tires they probably need to wear out quicker uh give up a little bit quicker so that the people with better chassis balance will will be able to pass the people who don't have very good chassis balance uh i also think probably he mentioned the the shifting to take it you know have less shifting somehow with different uh different ratios uh whatever different gearing that it would not be shifting because that does that that does kind of make up for mistakes and um to take that away i think would again make we want people to be able to pass. And I heard comments that like the faster cars were not even not even able to, to pass lap traffic. And I think when like Joey Logano was a good example, he was basically a 30th place car throughout most of the day and then through some really good pit strategy by his crew chief and some really hard work and, and Joey just getting up on the wheel when he had to uh, he ended up finishing second, you know, the people couldn't pass him. So uh, I think the issue is we've got to figure out how better cars can pass slower cars and, and guys who are driving a little bit harder and people that get their cars balanced a little bit better can actually pass other cars and we can actually see some passing on the racetrack, which watching any cars go around in a line anywhere is, is eventually not fun. So Kyle Larson got the win, uh, admittedly at a track that he has always said has not been a great track for him, for his style, um, you know, and yet he was able to get the victory. When you look at Kyle and, and what he's become as a driver, just just how good a driver is Kyle Larson? Uh, Heather, I think he's uh, has to rank among the best and I think when his career's over whenever that might be I think people are going to look back and say this this young man you know deserves to be in the top echelon of the Richard Petty's the Dale Earnhardt's the Jeff Gordon's um, even further back uh, the, the, the Bill Elliott's uh, whoever uh, Jimmy Johnson's and so on and so forth he, he deserves to be in consideration with the guys because he, he just has so much raw talent he has adaptability um 
you know, it, it, to the point, I guess the best way I can explain that is when when he won the race at Martinsville, I, I did I had no it didn't surprise me one bit, and I had no uh, no thought of him being like like oh he's not very good at this racetrack. He ends up being really good everywhere he goes, and that that's a sign to me that he's just he's just incredibly talented, and he's a natural race car driver. And there's very few people down through the years that I think you could call a natural race car driver. You're talking about the Richard Petty's, the Dale Earnhardt's, the the Jeff Gordons, and even somebody like AJ Foyt. You know, I, I think if Kyle Larson wanted to drive Indy cars, he could drive Indy cars. And there's not many people that I think are actually talented enough to do that. But he, he's, he's got to be up there in the very, he's up there toward the ceiling somewhere. NASCAR's uh, final appeal officer, uh, along with a suggestion, I guess, from NASCAR overturn uh, most of the penalty against college racing this week and made it more in line with what Hendrick Motorsports was penalized. Uh, I think the statement said in the in the uh, issue of fairness yep. that they would do that. Do you think that that was the right thing to do, or should all of them been been penalized more or penalized separate? Like, what do you think of the outcome of that? Well, I, I, Heather, I think that that whatever the whatever the degree, the intensity of the penalty, I, I don't feel like I can really intelligently say okay they should have been fined this many points and this this much money and this and that because I don't really understand I think like many others I'm not really I don't really understand I don't have a good grasp on exactly okay what what exactly was the infraction uh, how, how what was the intent how how you know how what a, how big of a deal was this to actually give them a competitive advantage or were they doing something that they thought were going to give them a competitive advantage and maybe it just didn't. But I think at the end, the, the, the most important thing to me is the fact that it pretty much, you know, they, the penalties have to be the same. They have to go hand in hand. You can't have one penalty be major on a, a nine on a scale of 10 and another penalty be a five on a scale of 10 just because it's a different team. They have to be, I think what happened with with reducing the Calvert penalty to put it in line with the with the Hendrick penalty was the right move at this time. I think I think if you didn't do that, uh, people are going to be left scratching their heads and wondering what's going on here now. What why, what kind of where's the fairness? Where's the fairness scale? And I think maybe they've they've hit that at least for now. And now going forward. Uh, some of this stuff needs to be clarified a little bit better somehow, some way about, okay, this is where the line is drawn. You cannot alter these parts. You cannot switch parts from one make to another or whatever the deal is. You got to keep, you, you got to make it, there's got to be a black and white line with these cars because that, that's what, that's what it's all about. They're, they're trying to get away from the gray. I'm not sure that's what I would want, but that's what the that's what the intent of these cars is, and if they're going to live by that, they got to live by it all the time. So, but I think the fairness issue is is the by far the biggest thing. This week we go to Talladega, a lot of people's favorite track, either yep. Daytona or Talladega. Not Heather's cup of tea. I don't like seeing t- torn up race cars, but um, oh, yeah. there is definitely an art 
to racing at Talladega. People talk about luck, but there's definitely an art to it. So as a as a team, as a crew, when you go to Talladega, what's what's the mindset? Uh, hold on, uh, hold your breath. Um, it's just like what you just said. It's you know you you go there with you have to go there with the mentality of like. We've got to build the best, fastest, shiniest, slickest car, truck, whatever to take there to give ourselves a chance to win. But we have to go there with the mentality of like, okay, we, we know that there's about a close to a 50-50 chance that this thing may come back in a box, you know, a heap of scrap metal. And that's just what it is. Um, it, it's, it's part of it. Um, do I like it as a crew chief? Absolutely not, because I know how much work and time, effort, how much talent it takes for these people to build these cars and trucks, and how much money's involved from the from the owners to, to put all these cars and trucks out there. Uh, there's also a little bit of the safety factor, the danger factor for the drivers, especially, and that, that bothers me a little bit. Uh, today's safety approaches and all the steps that have been taken have, have I think, have, have Increased those risks uh, greatly. So, but still, it's just a thing that, to me, it's kind of like having Woodstock on the NASCAR schedule. It's it's even different than Daytona. Uh, Talladega is is like a a place. It's like a, a mecca of uh, people that like to party and have a good time and watch a NASCAR race. And whether you like that or not, it it's just what it is. And there's they always have, they always have pretty much a full house sellout crowd there. Um, it, and I think the drivers just say, okay, this is what it is. I've got to eat my green beans and spinach and asparagus. I don't particularly like it. I'd rather have ribeye steak and a good baked potato or whatever. But I've got to do this. It's on the schedule. And you know what? Somebody's got to win. It might as well be me. So everybody goes with that attitude. They just accept it and go on, and that's what it is. And I and it makes for great entertainment. Uh, it makes for a lot of carnage. Um, I think personally, that's more in the hands of the drivers than anything. But um, there probably could be some things done to hold that down a little bit. It's been a balancing act for NASCAR all through the years dating back to the 70s, trying to make, okay, trying to get this thing in line but still have the show that they want to have and that the fans enjoy. So uh, it is what it is, and I think you're going to see some great racing again down there this weekend, and uh, I think at the end of the day, everybody will go, whew, that was a special, you know, and it always is. All right, Jameer Ty, thanks for joining us today. Um, I guess the first obvious question I need to ask you is um, how did you guys end up meeting? Like, how did this whole thing happen? I know you guys have the same last name. You're, you're obviously not related. So how did this all come about? All right. Uh, I, I guess we got, we have the same last name and I guess we're both rookies are going to be a rookie. So I think it just matched up perfectly. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, are you a racing fan? Um, how 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 did you get to 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 want to come see the shop and 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 meet Ty? Uh, I'm really into cars. I've been I started liking uh cars more often for about I'll say like two years, two or three years. So, yeah. 
So, Ty, when you heard he wanted to come come meet you, were you surprised? I mean, you're a rookie. I mean, there's probably guys with bigger names in the garage area that, you know, people would, would maybe want to come see. Were you surprised that you were like me or what was your reaction? Yeah, it was it was really cool that, you know, here you want to come and, and check it out. And like he says, he's in the car. So uh, I know some things about some cars. I mean, obviously, yeah, you just just a few things. Um, obviously, uh, you come from a big football family, but uh, are you a college football fan? I mean, your, your your family is mostly known for for professional football. Are you are you a college fan? Yeah, I am, and uh, I think as like my friends have gone off to college as well, I think it's been even more of a fan. So I've got some friends that go to Alabama, Georgia. So it's cool to kind of see that, and I don't know, I can kind of root for some of them. So uh, we'll have him put on the earmuffs. Uh, do you have a favorite team? Is it Alabama? Uh, yeah, I guess right now it is. I yeah. got to say it is, yeah. So we're going to we'll go with that. Sorry to my Georgia friends, and I'm sure they'll understand it. Uh, yeah, that. that. Uh, my, my father went to Stanford, so I could say Stanford. And my sister's going to Cornell. I don't know how their sports program is up there, but like, good for them. And and didn't you have a, a a cousin or something that played at App State or, or something? Along yeah, those lines? my uh, I have one cousin that went to UCLA, and then one one goes to App. That's very cool. I love it. I love the connection when they were pitching this to me. I was like, that's so neat. Just like guys from, I mean, both of you guys probably more for Ty because he he's been you know obviously in the lower series and doing this. I mean. How cool is it that what you guys do allows you to like meet and and get to know and find out about guys in other other sports other than the one that you're in? Yeah, I think it's really special, and I think it's cool to you know have like opportunities like this to meet new people. It's really really cool. So, um, looking forward to to the draft. What what's kind of your plans this weekend for the draft? What do you uh, you know? Are you going to hang out with your family? You going to hang out Alabama? What what's kind of the plan? Yeah, I'd be um, in my hometown in Dalton, Georgia, with my family members and some of my friends. Oh, you're from Dalton. I grew up, I worked in Chattanooga for like 10 years, so I'm very oh, yeah. familiar with Dalton. Very cool. That's awesome. I'll have to let my fa- my uh, people down in Chattanooga know that I talked to you today. Um, so um, what's kind of your hopes for going into the draft? Uh, you know, do you have a specific part of the country you want to end up with or a specific team that you really want to be, or are you just like, Whoever is the best opportunity and who wants me, I'm down. Yeah, I just really hope I land in the right, like the right team, the right uh, scheme and fit, so I can showcase uh, what I could do in the next level. Really. Ty, right, let's talk about your your rookie season a little bit. Um, you were on a hot streak there for a, a couple of races. Um, I know you kind of got a jump start on it last year, getting to to run a little bit for twenty three eleven. Did that make the transition into full time Cup Series uh, driving easier for you? Yeah, it definitely did. And you know, I I say it all the time, but I of course thank you to MJ and and Denny for letting me to be able to do that. And um, always hoping Kirk gets better. So uh, it was really cool to experience that, and it definitely the time was very valuable and learned a lot. What's been the biggest challenge in your rookie season as far as, uh, you know, the cars and stuff? Because, I mean, you, like I said, you went through that streak where you had all those top 10. So, I mean, you're, you're you you kind of got things figured out a little bit. But what's maybe been the biggest challenge this year? I think uh, just the competition and the way, you know, all the drivers are a lot better at the top level. And I think that's, uh, that's been the, the hardest thing. The cars are a little bit different. So, getting used to the new next-gen cars 
is a, a little bit of a challenge, but besides that, it's just uh, minimizing mistakes and being consistent. Obviously, I know you, you've driven for your, your, your family race team for most of your career, but um, is it more pressure driving for your grandfather this year than it was maybe driving for MJ and, and Denny last year? Um, not really. I, I feel like for me, I, I enjoy racing so much that kind of, I don't really let it get to me a whole lot. If there's a race out there coming up soon that you might be targeting maybe to uh, get a win, maybe get yourself into the playoffs, is there some is there a track you're really looking forward to here in the next few? It would be nice to do it this weekend for sure. Uh, but usually every weekend for me, I, I want to win. So we'll see uh, if we can do that this next couple of weeks. Uh, Talladega specifically, what's what's the challenge that place? Obviously, you don't do what you're doing this weekend very often. So what's the biggest challenge? Are you a guy that just likes to survive and see where you are at the end? Are you a guy that likes to drop to the back? Like, what's your approach to it? Yeah, I'm just going to work with my uh, my teammates as much as I can and see if we can get the best finish for uh, for all of us. For my final thought, let's talk about the Chicago Street Race. It's been in the headlines a ton and uh, a lot of back and forth about safety, about shutting down streets, about uh, inconvenience, blah, 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 la, la, la. Honestly, it's just weird to me. The whole thing is just weird to me and just uh, emphasizes the ridiculousness of the local politics in Chicago. And I'm not talking about Democrat, Republican or, or liberal, uh, conservative no, it's just the mess that specifically this government. Um, I am in Bristol, Virginia, and you could say some of this in Bristol, Virginia with the landfill, right? If those of you that are, are local and are following that, there's a lot of messiness surrounding that um, that don't really have to do with political affiliations or any of that kind of stuff. It's just a mess. And that's kind of the same thing on a different scale and on a different uh kind of issue, but still the same thing in that messy local, local politics are making the Chicago race way more complicated than it needs to be. Other cities seem to have street races and be able to handle them just fine. Nashville, uh, St. Pete, Long Beach. So for this to be such an issue in Chicago, I kind of find humorous. I don't know why the city and NASCAR fans, because I hear people on both sides chirping about it, wouldn't want this to happen. This race is an unbelievable opportunity for everyone involved for exposure. It gives exposure to Chicago and then introduces people that don't know that much about the town to the very cool, wonderful scene that is Chicago. It's a great city. And I think that the city gets a lot of bad rap about crime that is really at times unfair. Yes, there's a lot of crime, but it's not when you look, boil the numbers down to their core, it's not disproportionate to the size city it is. Like it's not crime written. There are, are cities and towns that host race events that have every bit the amount of crime that Chicago has. This is a chance to put that city in a different light for people to see Chicago for what it is and not just what its reputation is and vice versa, right? For NASCAR, this is an opportunity to expose racing to people that would not normally watch racing because the street race crowds are generally a different type of crowd because street races are an event. It's not all about the racing, but it is going to be a chance for 
people at the races get exposed to the drivers, to to the owners, and and what the sport brings beyond its southern root redneck reputation. Now, there is nothing wrong with being southern and being quote unquote redneck and being race proud. I've lived in the South for most of my life. I grew up in the Midwest, so I grew up in an area that's more like Chicago. And it took me going to the races to really understand what NASCAR was. I was one of those people that just looked at it as dumb rednecks, and it is very much not that. So this whole Chicago thing just really frustrates me and has me pulling my hair out because it doesn't have to be this way. This could be a great opportunity for everyone involved, and it doesn't seem like very many people want to take advantage of it. And to me, that's sad. I don't know how you grow the sport. I don't know how you grow your city. I don't know how you, and I don't mean grow in numbers, but just grow in reputation in in the case of Chicago, because I don't know that they really want more numbers, but they would like to be seen as this beautiful, vibrant, exciting city. And so this just puts a black cloud over all of that and it, it's very disappointing because I am looking forward to the street race I want to see what this turns out if the racing is terrible and it doesn't work and the experiment doesn't work we don't have to keep doing it but I don't know the whole thing is just frustrating it's making me sad and, and I, I hope that this works out but I don't see it working out beyond this year hopefully you'll come back beyond this week and we'll see you next week on the backstretch stretch.